Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast, NXT-flavoured edition. I'm El Fakador Laurie Blake and I'm joined by Adam Blompier. Hi, mate. How's it going? I'm really good. How are you? I'm very well. We're going to be talking about uh, what happened on NXT this week, but first we're going to be chatting a little bit about Tommaso Ciampa's potential frustrations with creative in NXT. Here's the show. Uh, over the weekend, Master Champa put up a post on Instagram that was basically like talking about how he's thinking 2020 is turning out. Uh, obviously, not great for many people. Um, and he was sort of reflecting on his career as it went. The, the post sort of said um, it, was the, it was a picture of him and Goldie clutching Goldie very tight, uh, heavily edited. Um, <clears throat> and he said, it got me thinking, I miss 2018 Champa. He said, uh, the wrestling business like life is full of waves, highs and lows. One moment you feel untouchable, the next you come crashing down. Giving up the title is definitely one of my career lows. And to be honest, damn near everything that's happened in my career since has been a disappointment. A few glimpses of highs here and there. My face off with Adam when I returned and war games come to mind, but lots of lows. The chase to reclaim Goldie, the final chapter with Johnny, and most recently, my encounter with Cross. Now these face off with uh, face off with Adam Cole, not me. I just want to yeah. clarify for the people uh, watching and listening because that's that will be that will be on the really high the, the highest list. Oh right? God, That'll yeah, like the, the next God tier of uh, ups and downs. That's twenty twenty one, Champa. I'm confusing a lot of wrestling YouTube personalities here. Uh, number three, he said, my motivation is a fascinating trait. Throughout my career, I've often found that creating false dialogue has led to my greatest internal motivation. In 2018, I created a scenario in my head in which nobody believed in me. It drove me. In 2020, after weeks of being left off television, yes, I'm healthy, I find myself with a new false dialogue, creative has nothing for you. Whether or not this is true doesn't really matter because in my head, it's true. 
And then he says, in 2018, I willed my vision into existence, into existence. Well, today I have a new vision. And surprisingly enough, I'm hungrier than ever. It's time to evolve. It's time to catch the next wave and reach that high. Now, this was four days ago. Quite often when these things are like works, um, you would expect Champa maybe to make an appearance on this week's NXT. He did not. So do you think, Adam, some of this comes from a genuine place of frustration because Champa's comeback story, he, come, he, he returns to NXT, cleared uh, and seemingly on a, on a path to finish things with Johnny Gargano and then hopefully finish things with Adam Cole. He loses to Johnny Gargano in the one final beat match. He loses his rematch with Adam Cole. Uh, and now he has been used to further the story with Karrion Cross and has not appeared on TV since uh, losing quite handily at TakeOver in your house. So it's a tricky one, right? Because I, I, it's confusingly worded. It's the word creative that really kind of makes it weird for me because I believe that they are doing a storyline now where Tommaso Ciampa has lost everything. You know, starting at one final B and 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 progressing through being munched by Karrion Cross, um, you know, losing at Portland. Uh, like this is, you know, I think the best thing they can do for Tommaso Ciampa is just yeah, build this into a storyline where he kind of feels like he's lost everything and like NXT isn't his home anymore, mm-hmm. and he does go for the main roster you know he he said that he would retire if they if they tried to make him go to the to the main roster uh, and so basically the idea of like sort of not having a home in the house that you've built is a really fascinating story mm-hmm. and i think keeping him off uh tv will help to build that because we know that in this kind of postmodern wwe where the, you know everything is much more transparent uh being at odds with creative is one of the best ways to kind of uh foster someone's baby face push you know mm-hmm. work for daniel bryan it's worked for a lot of people where people feel like they're being kept down there's a much more organic groundswell of sympathy behind them it's just confusing like like if, if it had been worded like i you know i i keep phoning up you know, Regal, and he keeps saying, I don't yeah, have a yeah, match yeah. this week. Or I keep phoning up, like, the the guys in the back. It's just that use of the term creative that leads you to suggest that there may be something more at play. Because It's, it's a little such... shooty term, isn't it? It's a little too shooty. It's a little <laughs> yeah. too shooty uh, for it to be, uh, like, a pure work. Um, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of, like, by design and they want to get us talking mm-hmm. obviously let yeah in an episode that didn't have Tommaso Ciampa on it we are opening the show by talking about Tommaso Ciampa so tick job done uh it's just like what you what you don't want to see is yeah like one of the guys who who built NXT has become one of its stalwarts you don't want to see um him actually at odds with the back because yeah, I really, I you know, I want to see Tommaso Ciampa wrestle. I think there's mm. lots of people he could be wrestling. It's just that right now, the idea of him wrestling no one could work for a storyline. It's just very difficult to decipher uh, that message. Yeah, and I think it's and, and it's particularly difficult because it comes at a time um, where NXT is swapping over. Uh, we, we're in a transitional phase. This is this is the build to. SummerSlam, which is traditionally a time where people leave NXT and go up to Raw and SmackDown. And obviously, 
times have been slightly different with with that since uh, NXT moved to USA. But I'm assuming that the main roster still would like an influx of new talent from the proving ground that is NXT, especially people who have proven themselves down there as well. So you're imagining that people like Adam Cole are on their way up to uh, SmackDown or Raw following SummerSlam. Maybe the rest of the Undisputed Era go as well. We don't really know. Like Tommaso Ciampa was definitely someone that was in the conversation and said no. Um, it feels like a changing of the guard. You know, we've got Keith Lee just elevated up from a North American champion to the double champion. He's now at the top of that card. Karrion Cross has come in and made a massive impact. And as this episode shows, we'll go into in a bit when we go through the rest of what happened this week, is seemingly on a collision course with Keith Lee. Um we are building new stars into bigger roles within the company. Io Shirai has stepped up and become the NXT Women's Champion, which means that a lot of people who haven't really, like people who haven't been in these positions before, are now controlling the positions that were the Johnny Gargano placeholder position, the Tommaso Ciampa placeholder position, your parking space, sir, which <laughs> has always had your name on it. We're stripping that off for a bit. And to do that, I think you do have to remove Ciampa from the picture for a bit. Um, I think keeping him off, the, I think you're right. I think keeping him off TV really does build into his story here because I think if Champa is in NXT, I am every week going to bring up why is Champa not after the NXT championship because that is his motivation. That is, the, is everything, the yeah. strongest bit of his character. It's the, it's the best thing to play off. And I think the best thing to do with him is if Keith Lee and Karrion Cross are going to collide at some point in the future maybe at the next takeover. And you're going to have Karrion Cross beat Keith Lee, which I, I do think you should do, realistically. I think Champa returns. I think Champa returns to either scupper the... Like, maybe maybe Karrion Cross looks like he's going to win and Champa returns to scuppers his chances. That's a really big babyface pop for you right there. But you could also do Karrion Cross wins at takeover and then the next night on NXT or the, the following NXT, as he comes out to celebrate and show off and destroy somebody else, Tommaso Ciampa makes his return and stakes his claim for Goldie. And mm -hmm. then you've got this immediate, I've returned from the, the last thing that happened. You know, I, we have, we have history, you and I, I'm coming back, huge baby face pop. I'm coming back specifically for Goldie. And then you've immediately put him back in the position that I think a lot of NXT fans kind of expect him to be in. And I, and this is, I guess, one of the issues with Champa as um, a character in NXT, because so much of NXT was built around him and Adam, uh, him and Johnny Gargano for so many years, and then him and Adam Cole, that him not being in the title picture feels a bit odd when you when yeah. you're sort of watching him week to week just have like feuds that like because they're never going to replicate the sort of the sort of feud that he's had with johnny either over like other stuff that's not belts you know so i, I just feel like anything else feels like a kind of step down like i thought johnny's got an interest found an interesting story in the kind of it's me about me and candace now um but it's not worked every single week right mm. well that's the thing is like johnny gargano can be on because uh, yeah, like you say, he's got that story with Candice. He can be on TV every single week; doesn't matter. Like because he's he's there and like he's got a plan, but he's a he's a weasley little sod, and he's basically trying to scratch out every last little bit of power and glory that he can. Uh, you're right, Tommaso Ciampa's whole thing revolves around Goldie, and he's not. It's not his time to get Goldie back yet. Mm. So it like it's a weird thing. NXT again, it, it has that kind of old territory tactic of you know it, it, it's weird. Like like you say. 
wrestling a match can actually be detrimental to your character at mm -hmm. certain points. This is not something that Raw and SmackDown really ever deal with because Raw is goddamn three hours long. Uh, and it's, it's, SmackDown's right up there, you know, in terms of like, they just have to keep the talent keep coming out and you get real diminishing returns. It's why, you know, you see so many matches repeated over and over again and people keep orbiting the same people over and over again. It, it kind of gives this kind of really kind of stultifying effect to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, and it's the one, you know, one of the things that was lovely about NXT being one hour. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you didn't see people for two, three weeks. And then when they came back, you're just like, oh yeah, it's you. Um, we're, we're, like, we are in a... A brave new world with NXT. That's something we've spoken about a lot. Um, the old way of doing things might not be the way. Obviously, Gargano and Champa aren't leaving. They should have left by now under old mm. NXT, but they haven't. So it's a kind of like, how do you stay true to what Tommaso Champa's character is? His psychoses, his focuses, uh, everything that like his obsessions. How do you stay true to that character whilst also not elevating him to pastures new? And I think uh, this is. It's you know it's an in, in it's an inelegant solution, but it's the best one we've got, and we saw that in this episode of NXT. Is that this was basically not a lot of stuff happened storyline wise. It felt more like a kind of a victory lap, a kind of a a celebration of where the roster currently stands. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of people, like I can understand people not necessarily liking this episode of NXT quite as much. I loved it because it was full of good wrestling and I like good wrestling. Um, but yeah, it was just a sort of a look at our roster. This is it. Look at our mm -hmm. champions. Look at the people they're currently engaged with. And let's give our let's give our top champions 20 minutes to to fight for their belts. Uh, just to give you an idea of like this is what NXT currently is. Uh, and I thought it was a like a fabulous uh kind of display of oh wow look at look who's look who's on top there's a little bit we're carrying cross just a little bit uh to kind of keep you coming back and some fairly cool matches but generally yeah i, I really like this episode of nxt yeah i i think your victory lap uh metaphor there's pretty good because it's it's also a victory lap for beating AEW twice in the ratings uh, <laughs> so yeah on on a on a sort of event you've thrown together just to combat what they're doing so yeah i think it, you know that and, and i think great american best was actually a pretty good success for nxt i don't think they were the strongest shows they've put on by a long way but they were very varied they had some really important big moments happening on both shows so overall very good and this this nxt felt like back to business back to who's important, what's important. Here's some bloody good wrestling to boot. Um, so let's let's go through it a bit more because, yeah, I, I don't see how... I think Champa's not particularly... I don't think Champa's really frustrating with NXT. I think this decision would be uh, with him in mind as a as someone. And I think like part of the reason that we're getting the NXT we're getting now, is there are other machinations going on. Like Io Shirai was, as far as we knew, potentially leaving NXT to go back to Japan. Uh, and I think this is like her having the title at this exact moment in time might be a bit of a sort of please stay kind of <laughs> title run. It might also be, a, you know, like we want to do right by you and give you a title run before you leave. Like and that, that's kind of a nice thing, too. Um, and I think similarly with Keith Lee, because I, I imagine Vince McMahon has locked eyes on Keith Lee at some point. They're just like, put the belts on him. Let's make him as big as possible. And then if he's going to move up, he's going to go up with a full head of steam and be really, really dominant. And then you can bring Champa back in. And, you know, you've, that's the thing. You can, you can take all these experimental risks with a lot of NXT now because you've always got 
faithful Tommaso Ciampa in the back that you know works and you know people love Ciampa and you know that the second anything feels like it's going off the rails, you can just deploy the champ, you pull the little Ciampa lever and he drops <laughs> into the ring and everyone goes, I love NXT again. And that's all you got to do. So the Ciampa shoot. Yeah, down the, down the Ciampa shoot. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like wrestling? Do you like improv? Do you like role-playing games? Then you'll love No Rolls Barred, presented by the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Six players come together to create a fictional wrestling promotion, roll dice, and create the kind of insanity that real companies could only dream of creating. Can Tony the Milkman survive the twilight of his career and still find time to care for his wrestling son? Can the Denimatrix overcome the vicious apex and achieve total denimation? Can brothers Golden Joe and Silver Bro coexist as a tag team before they combust? Find out now with the wrestling show that everyone's talking about. No Rolls Barred is available wherever you get your podcasts and only presented on the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. In this week's NXT, the whole show started off with a video package of Keith Lee's win last week where he became the double champion, the champ champ. Uh, and they made the point in this by having lots of people came send cameo messages to Keith Lee. So they must have spent quite a lot of money on this <laughs> uh, to say that... Um, He's basically got the biggest target on his back in NXT history. And, and Finn Balor was there and Dexter Loomis was staring into the camera, not saying anything. And then it all ends with a little bit of Karrion Cross's TikTok clock. Um, 
I really like this as like, this is exactly what you want to do with Keith Lee. Like if you want to truly test his limits, throw as many opponents at him as possible. I think, I think basically every week until takeover, he should be defending those belts mm. in a sort of like fighting champion run that people just think is unstoppable. Because you could, you could get through six or seven title defenses. Maybe not. How many weeks is it? Till SummerSlam. Till summer, SummerSlam, yeah. Probably, but like, yeah, maybe five or six. So you could maybe, yeah, you could maybe get into, you could probably maybe run through like five title defenses in that time. And then you could have him drop the belt at his first big defense. But it would be technically his sixth or seventh defense by that point. Uh, I like Keith Lee comes out here. He asks, his, he asks Alicia to introduce him again and says the last few months have been difficult. There's been losses, hurt and pain. He talks about his trainer who passed away recently. And then he says, um, but I haven't forgot the journey that I've taken to be here. And one of the people who helped me on that journey is one of my best frenemies, Dominic Dijakovic, who comes out. And he says he's had a little chat with Regal and he's going to give Dijak a chance to win both belts tonight mm. i thought this was this again this is great positioning for keith lee i don't think you need to do anything more complex with him really at this point like he he's a champion who won the belts by proving how good he was how strong he was how fast he was how aerodynamic he seemingly is and just making him defend the belts i think is the right thing to do it's it's the classic kind of big baby face push as well yeah elements of dusty in this mm. promo, I thought just talking about kind of like there's bits where you're just like looking, like talking down the camera, uh, just talking about like kind of how he can sort of feel the support. I, I generally thought at some point he was going to ask people to reach out, reach out for my hand. Uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought that yeah, it was. Um, I think it took maybe longer to to get where it was going than it than it strictly needed. But I think that was more than made up for the fact that there's really. Keith Lee is an exceptional promo and you really felt um, sort of uh, emotion in this promo and emotion is messy and emotion does make you go off on, on tangents and then, especially when he talks about Tim Brooks, his trainer um, and then bringing out Dijakovic. It's just like, yes, at such, a, at such a good, rather than just doing a promo and then someone coming out and challenging him, Keith Lee comes out uh, and he acknowledges what brought him to this point. And part of that is absolutely the match with Dominic Dijakovic. I love the kind of being aware, you know, NXT is such a, so aware of its own history. Like this feud is the thing, like after aim, loads of aimless months uh, in NXT, this, this feud between us is a thing that finally got me to that point where everyone was suddenly hot on me. Uh, and like, I want to kind of reward that. So it's like taking a classic bit of NXT, recontextualizing it with the current kind of um, circumstances, adding new stakes to it, and then having it right then uh, and there. I, I yeah, I, I think it's perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I it's think really he... important to how genuine it was as well. Like, mm. you know, like, let, let's, let's look at uh, Roman Reigns finally getting the universal title, right? And how desperate they were to make him the babyface in that situation that the first time he comes out after that, he's giving Finn Balor the opportunity to come and, and vie for the title that he's been denied over and over again. Like that reeks of desperation and this reeks of like, this is something we were saying last week when we were like, well, Keith Lee's won this. I hope that Jack gets a go because I'd love to see them do that match at the biggest possible, for the, for the biggest stakes possible. Um, and yeah, this this felt very genuine and felt like, you know, you, you can't have that conversation about Keith Lee without Jack in it too. And it felt like really the right thing to do and like a super babyface move. Yeah, it's just a decent, it was a decent thing. 
to do uh, you know and it's like so yeah so much of wwe's baby face uh you know so many of their baby faces are you know braggadocious you want some come get some doesn't matter who you are i'll put you down uh this time it was actually keith lee seeking out a challenger that he felt was deserving and someone to whom he felt like an obligation someone that he owed something to and doing the honorable thing so very rare you see just a like a straight up honorable baby face uh it's one of the reasons why people love keith lee he's uh he's super charismatic but he's just he's just a decent fella god i love god i love him humbleness that'll get you everywhere uh we then had uh tegan Knox arriving for her match um which is later in the show as the main event uh, and then we then got damian priest versus cameron grimes uh not much was made of the sort of grudge between those two leading into the match um like there was no real recap package of all the sort of shenanigans that grimes had done to priest uh we then like good good to be honest because i don't think yeah. it really served the match like i slashing tires and you know you know commissioner Fake regal being break, like yeah. yeah or like, like I, I think none of those particularly came off too well and would have probably hurt what actually turned out i thought to be a really good tv match yeah this is a this was a really good match it, it was just it's funny that it's just it's just something they've given priest to do and they've given it quite a lot of build for uh what is a fairly normal Damien Priest match. This this was this was unremarkable, but a good TV match. Like I, I liked a few different bits of it. I like I loved uh, the razor's edge onto the apron, which is just absolutely disgusting. Um, there was a great uh, spinning power slam from Grimes as well. He's like mm. power slam thing. Um, and then the, the sort of the finale was really interesting. The, the, the Grimes goes for this like cave in, and he misses and sort of jumps himself through the ropes. Priest then does the spinning boot to the back of the head, the sort of discus uh, discus roundhouse, and then he hits a reckoning using the ropes to hold Grimes up. Really um, good. Yeah, I really liked that. I thought that was really really smart. Th this was this was sort of a filler feud for Damien Priest, but I I was sort of I wrote down here and it's sort of before we got further down the line in, in in the show. But I was like, I could really see some sort of crazy big boys, number one contenders competition that they might do with with uh, Jack and Cross and Priest. But obviously we then got Jack and Lee, so I'm not sure whether that will happen. And, and then now we've also got Jack versus Cross set for next week. Um, so maybe they won't do all the big lads. But I would love to see a Four Corners big lads match uh, yeah. in this. It would be I brilliant. Thought that was it was a. It, I thought that was a takeover worthy finishing spot. Mm. Really, really liked it. Just taking his uh, moving, just giving it that slight kind of tweak with which added a sense of viciousness uh, to it and calculation. Uh, like I'm fully behind Damien Priest now. Like he's he's like between this and his match with Balor, he's pulled out two like back to back really good matches mm. to the point where if we're looking for like if we're looking to separate out those titles again, I'm up for seeing Damien Priest North American champion. Yeah, he's sort of wobbling in a, in a in a weird baby face heel twilight, and the only thing the only thing I don't really like about that I never really liked the Damien Priest character before, um, and I'm struggling still to get fully on board with it. I, I think um, he's a fantastic in ring talent, um, and he's obviously got one of the greatest voices in history. I think one of the one of the one of the, it's one of the best things I've ever heard. Um, but I just don't necessarily get the the Archer of Infamy character. And it's sort of wobbling back and forth between being like I'm a nightstick you using maniac and now I'm sort of the baby face in this Cameron Grimes. It feels like a kind of soft baby face turn here. Um, I don't know, like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes. 
and I imagine it's straight into Keith Lee and uh, another quick victory for Keith Lee as he sort of rinses through a lot of the people who were challenging from the North American belt as sort of a, a lap around the around the roster until Karrion Cross finally gets his shot down the line. Mm. I feel like the North American Championship is going to be used to further the NXT Championship feud. I think mm-hmm. whoever takes the NXT Championship off Keith Lee will probably be quite instrumental, or at least, you know, gets a main, main shot at the NXT Championship, will be quite instrumental in taking the North American Championship off him. And if you're t- looking at people who, like, if you're looking at future NXT champions, I think we're pretty much all aboard the carrying cross kind of bandwagon there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of North American champions, yeah, I mean, like, who, who, who else is out there? I think... You could either go like a real surprise, like Bronson Reed, you know, like slingshot him, which I, mm-hmm. you know, that's a match I'd be up for. Or you could go with someone like, for me, it feels like either Finn Balor or Damien mm-hmm. Priest. Uh, and again, like, I mean, hey, I'd, I'd be up for seeing a takeover rematch number one contender shot between those those boys. That sounds really nice. Mm, yeah, I, I, th- I think Priest feels more North American champion to me as sort of like a next. I think you can sort of give him a similar sort of big guy on top of that division um, feel that Keith Lee now has being on top of both divisions and did have when he was just the North American champion. We then saw Io Shirai arrive in the show. Uh, and then we've got another example of Thatcher's Thatch can wrestling. This one back referencing the match with Oni Lorcan from last week. Thatcher said, like, if you remember, I put him in the Fujiwara armbar. Uh, and if you see, you just pull it to here and he taps. But then what I did after that was I applied a bit more pressure and made him cry. Because uh, you know you can you can you pull a little bit and you make them tap and you win the match, but if you do that, you really make an impression. This was this was good. Uh, yeah. I think maybe the joke is wearing thin now. Um, it's the same joke every week, uh, and maybe they needed a bit more. But I, I think it's getting over who Thatcher is and what he's like, and and I can see. I'm, I'm excited for them building a program with only Lorcan, um, and maybe they just have three back to back slugfests. Uh, it could be the new Lee Dijak for me. Like they feel are very, feel very snapping. bad for Danny Birch. Poor guy. They, were, yeah. I thought they were really going somewhere with Lorcan and Birch for going going against Imperium. Doesn't doesn't appear to be the case now because, like you say, I am well well on board for more Lorcan and then Thatcher. I think they are they work brilliantly together. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if you bring in Birch at some point as Lorcan's like uh, corner man, and you could almost do like well. Thatcher's actually tougher than you are, Lorcan, so I'm going to go across and be on his team now because he likes pints and fights too, for the looks of it. Mm. Mm. Ascension in the ranks. Uh, We then got Shotzi Blackheart versus the impressive Indy Hartwell, who hasn't really been seen. I don't know if she's been seen in NXT before. How long has she been signed there? She was like in the latest crop of signees. I think I've seen her in one other TV match, I think. Because uh, I remember, I remember making a joke about impressive pelvis Wesley uh, mm. when she came out. Um, so yeah, I think this is like a second match. Um, yeah, it's one of the only bits of the show I didn't really like. Um, why, just, and why is that, Adam? It's not because it's got Robert Stone in it. It just yeah. happens to be that every it happens to be the only two major issues I had with this show both involved Robert Stone and the fact that like Robert Stone seems to be just trotted out there when you don't really know what to do. I get it. It's progress. Like I mean, they actually did something <laughs> like Robert Stone actually called they, they like he had a plan yeah, yeah they did something it's just that yeah I didn't really see 
uh, like th this match, I thought was it was a bit clumsy, a bit all over the place. I don't think Indy Hartwell's like there in terms of putting a match together just yet, and like I don't think Shotzi Blackheart is quite at the point where she's you know able to ring general an NXT match. They kept it pretty short, uh, and then before they brought out Aaliyah to interfere, and then Indy Hartwell got I guess an upset win, um, and it, it was just like kind of like okay, I sure there it is. Um, it's it's a continuation, I suppose. Um, after getting run over by a tank, it yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not it was, not it wild was, on it, but it was, it, at least it was quick. It's more of the same bollocks that they were doing the last few weeks, which is they're they're positioning. I think they're positioning Robert Stone as pretty sympathetic, apart from obviously the interference here and in helping uh, Indy Hartwell win. Like he did get his foot run over by a, by a tank, like that. <laughs> I think that makes him quite sympathetic. I think being put in the bin by Rhea Ripley makes him quite sympathetic. Like for the, for the crime of merely asking someone if they want to join his brand, like not trying to force them, just asking someone if they want to basically begging people and being a bit pathetic. And he get he keeps having all these ridiculous things happen to him. And the whole time, like Phillips is going, standing up for stone here and saying like, he's injured. He was run over by a tank. He's just trying to further his business. And Beth is like, no, He's a joke. You know, and it's like, it just feels mean. I feel really sorry for Robert Stone. Because um, clearly, yeah, and, and that's both both sort of the character Robert Stone and uh, Robert Strauss, the guy behind it, because he clearly had somewhere he was going when he had Chelsea Green, mm. even though NXT didn't really want to pull the trigger on that. And then as soon as she was taken away, he feels completely adrift. They really like him for some reason as like an on-screen presence. They love having segments with him. The thing is, I like him. Yeah. I, I I think he's a really good promo. Like he like the the promo later in the show, which we'll get to. Like it it made no sense and was a load of nonsense. But he like at least he held up his end of it. Mm -hmm. It's just like all you got to do is just have a like just yeah, give him something that he wants and have him really work towards it. Because right now. I don't know what he wants. Like he, he's a, he's an incredibly reactionary character. Something happens to him, then he reacts to it. Like he, like I, does he? What does he want? He wants, he wants more people in the Robert Stone brand, right? What does that have to do with coming out and getting revenge on Shotzi Blackheart? It's just, mm -hmm. it, it just seems petty, and it's just kind of like, well, this happened last week, so I guess we'll do this, and now next week, there's again no kind of reason to tune in because we're not sure mm. it's fine like it's he's it just he's feels really like turning one but... it just feels like turning one match one match that could have happened into three segments over the course of three weeks and then that match will happen so the Aaliyah Shotzi match will happen at some point mm. uh and then maybe from that we'll get Shotzi versus Robert Stone uh, and that will like... be the match they want to have and they just and we're just wasting time till we get there it feels like bad improv that's what it feels like mm. to me. It feels like they have a general idea, maybe what they sort of want to be doing ish, but they don't really have a plan. And they're just sort of about like, yes, anding each other without really knowing uh, where, what, like what's going on. And it feels like one of those kind of worst improv scenes where basically it's circling around the same talking points because no one really knows how to make that kind of next narrative step. Yes. And so next was uh, Legado del Fantasma. Oh, no, it's Tegan Knox being interviewed next. And she said, a wise man once said, if you see an obstacle, just jump over it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who this wise man was. This feels quite simple for a, a, a <laughs> proverb. Uh, Isn't there another proverb called look before you leap? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, so yeah, contradictory proverbs from Tegan Knox here, but she said she's going to solidify her destiny uh, up there with the likes of Kane and Molly Holly as champions. Um, obviously, just picking people that she particularly likes. Uh, this was fine promo work. It, it didn't really do much. It didn't say too much. It didn't. I, it sort of didn't really go for like the bit I liked from last week's promo with her was the sort of saying, I'm not just the comeback kid that NXT keeps presenting me as. I'm, mm. I'm something more than that. This didn't really do much with that. We then got Legado del Fantasma, uh, who are in the gaudy room of a hotel, seemingly. Uh, and they were toasting to their first match together, the end of Drake Maverick, who they called the little Chihuahua, which I quite enjoyed. Um, they said that people don't appreciate Lucha Libre. It's not just a fiesta. It's serious. And then they were saying that Brizango took the mickey out of Lucha Libre. So it seems like we're probably going to go back to Brizango at some point for a bit of revenge. Um, and they said they were going to tear down the Cruiserweight division to build it back up. I love this team. Uh, I think they work really well together. I've liked the presentation so far. I think it's all really, really good stuff. Um, mm. And I'm excited to see what they do. I, I, I'm excited to see... like. Drake eventually being built up to be the cruiserweight champion and going against uh, Santos Escobar as well, because I just think he's such an interesting character. Escobar is Drake is obviously a blithering idiot, but um, like <laughs> I, I, I think, but I think the moment where Drake topples him will be fascinating because I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of uh, blood on the canvas before we get there. Um, from mm. various people who go up against uh, Legada del Fantasma. We then got some more Keith Lee packages just to remind us how great he is. Uh, and then we then got Lee versus Dijak, which was, as you would imagine, really bloody good. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, it, like they <laughs> throughout this entire match, the two men were just flirting, and I was here for it. It was really fun. They were, they were both just kind of like, oh, oh, I remember you do that, but I also do this. Oh, I was this close. Um, I I thought it was nice. Maybe at some point they kind of overegged the kind of we're destined to do this forever kind of stuff. I just I love it. I love these two. They're so great. Um, I like watching matches between guys who know they work well together, know their history, are willing to kind of self-reference themselves and other matches uh, that can that can that have an organically built friendship that I both buy and can actually see being demonstrated in a number of different set pieces. Like um, Dominic Dijakovic hasn't really had a chance to kind of cut many promos. Um, we don't necessarily know his character too, too much, but there's just little, sh little bits where kind of like he, you know, he managed to avoid a bunch of like elbow drops and splashes from Keith Lee, rolls them up, was never intending, uh, you know, and was never intending to get the pin, gets it like barely a one count, but just uh, when both men come up, he just that little smile on his face being just mm -hmm. like, I'm here as well. Um, it was great. I like going for the handshakes and Keith Lee re re uh, reversing a handshake into a headlock and then Dominic Judge could go for the handshake, but then turning it into a chop. I thought just lots of lovely little personal touches uh, in this match, not to the same quality of, as TakeOver Portland, obviously not. Uh, I don't think you, I don't think you can get a match of that quality without a crowd necessarily, mm -hmm. but um, I loved it. I, I, I could watch them go an hour. Such, yeah, I think they're just, they're just so inventive. And I, I think that the, the great thing about them two as a combination is there's still unexplored depths that we, we haven't seen on TV yet. And they've still got more in the tank every single time. There was a couple of spots in here that I just thought was really cool. Like Lee did his own sort of 
reckoning through the ropes and then Dijak, uh, as Dijak sort of blocked a flat, like, like he blocked a sort of rock bottom with his legs by sticking them through the ropes. And then Lee was just like, okay, well then you sort of, you're going to get a Sister Abigail kind of thing then, fine. <laughs> uh, and then we had like, uh, Dijak hits this blockbuster from the top rope that goes like halfway across the ring. He then hits a cyclone boot and he gets two really close two counts back to back. He then jumps into a Grizzly Magnum, eats the one arm slam. And then Dijak tries to block uh, the Big Bang catastrophe when he's on the rope, when he's on uh, Lee's shoulders, but he just can't. And Lee just powers him over and picks up the win. And as they're sort of shaking hands at the end and being like, well done, that was a good match. With This was all very sporting, lovely stuff, wonderful uh, presentation of both. The lights go out and Scarlet appears on the ramp and she wanders down uh, to, the, to the ring and she pulls out this little bag and in a bag are all the bits of the broken hourglass that Keith Lee smashed a few weeks ago when Adam Cole was getting interviewed backstage uh, after Karrion Cross had left, after so Scarlet had left the hourglass for him, saying that Karrion Cross is coming for the title. So we now know that Cross's motivations for sure are the belts rather than people. You know, we're sort of we're much more now aware of his like his proper character motivations rather than just sort of ripping through various people as he goes and making statements like we, we now see that he's on the collision course for at least one of those belts um which is great i i mm. really like the sort of broken hourglass I, I like this whole presentation the only thing i didn't like about this was everyone banging a bloody plexiglass <laughs> as scarlet's walking down it was like you've ruined that the atmosphere was so cool and you've ruined it by being noisy shut up stop banging the glass because it's it is the most annoying it's the vuvuzela of wrestling <laughs> oh it's not that bad i like it, it in matches is, i think it's fine it's fine in matches but it's just a bit like it was like, like i think this week was probably the first time they've ever done a slow build bang on the glass like the you know the slow clap slow stomp that people do during wrestling this is the first week i've ever actually noticed people doing it uh because the rest of the time they're just going ah it's it, <laughs> let us out we want to go a, home it, well, it's a little bit it's a little bit kids playground for me it's like you know when you go to like a when you when you used to go to like um activity centers and it's just it's just chaos and noise it, it's mm. unrhythmic almost um we then had a bit with Dijak backstage saying that um he thinks the character, like he was back referencing what just happened. And he says like, yeah, he thinks Karrion Cross is good, but Cross is no Keith Lee. And then who should appear? But Karrion Cross right up in Dijak's face. Um, he looks like his manager. Like he came up wearing a tie, which I didn't expect from Karrion Cross. But he just generally looks like, yeah, manager at Denny's. He's just caught you kind of talking shit about him. Mm. Um, I've just sworn. I'm very sorry. So I'll bleep it. I might, oh. I might not. I might not. Sorry. All right. Sorry. I'm I'm really bad. I'm really bad at <laughs> wrestle talk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was like the, he did a back, uh, back like a back body drop onto the concrete. Had a bit of trouble getting his tie off, so decided to leave that. Undid his top button and rah. And I thought it was like yeah, a slightly slightly weird presentation of carrying cross, but uh, setting up a match that I am very looking forward to seeing. Uh, which is uh, Karrion Cross versus Dominic Dijakovic next week. Dijak is going to get mauled. He's going to get his, yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I liked this. I, um, like Karrion Cross getting right in his face and saying he's got, he doesn't want, he doesn't want anything. And then, what did he say to him? He was, I don't know. He was speaking. I, I I'm not actually sure what language he was speaking. Maybe some sort of uh, Eastern European language. I'm not yeah. sure. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily I, guess. Well, I think so. I think Dijak's family are Czech. Uh, hmm. And I think that's so. Maybe he was speaking Czech, 
check, but I don't know. Um, but it was, I thought it was quite cool. It was like, a, it was a good little moment of like, you know, there's, there's something deeper to tap into between these two, if that is the case, and they have a shared sort of familial history. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoyed the sort of, the, the crazy sprawling brawl through the doors and then the big, so it was like an exploder style belly to belly suplex over the top um, that just launched Dijak. And then, yeah, the tie took a little bit of time, but it was good covering for whatever the, like, they were clearly covering moving something out of the way mat, for yeah. Dijak. And then, and then they sort of cross kicks all the barricades out of the way. I just think he's presented so well, Karen Cross. I, I, I do really like the character being in suit and tie. And then sort of when he's in the ring, he's just this monster. Um, it gives it sort of like a, there's a bit of depth to him there. Uh, we then got Timothy Thatcher versus Denzel Dejeuner, who didn't even really have gear. <laughs> he came out in like an oversized black poncho that was like the plainest, it's the plainest item of clothing I think I've ever seen a wrestler wear that isn't just like a vest. It was... This was so like, we don't care about you, Denzel. Off you go. <laughs> you are going to lose to Thatcher. I like that. And the presentation here was good because they said that, you know, Dijonet is a wrestling expert. He's a, does Greco-Roman style. So throws are his forte, whereas Thatcher's more of a uh, grounded submission style wrestler. I like the presentation of giving Thatcher matches with people who have similar skills. And so it's more about like legitimately fighting. It's it's like kind of what they try to do with MMA fighters when they come into WWE as well. They like to put them in sort of brawls against other sorts of MMA fighters. This was, I think this was smart presentation. Um, and yeah, like Thatcher basically just nails Denzel with a bunch of stuff and then gets a big single leg crab into sort of an ankle lock and makes him tap. And then after the bell goes, I'll do that again, does it again. <laughs> and then only Lorcan runs down to run uh, Thatcher out of the ring and defend Denzel. He's all taped up on the shoulder from the Fujiwara armbar, you have to imagine. So I think we're going to get only Lorcan versus Thatcher again, which is blooming great because that is a match that you can just put on week in, week, in, week out and I will happily lap that up. Two main notes. One, I see only Lorcan has been buying his trousers from the same store that Robert Stone shops from. And second, I really like the fact that Timothy Thatcher can win with multiple different submissions. It's going to make every match in the future more tense because you never know which is the one that's going to do the job. Uh, yeah, I really, I really dug it. Short, sweet, uh, paid off a promo earlier on in the show. It gave that kind of... Uh, uh, Thatcher's Thatch Cad's uh, segment, you know, meaning and purpose to further kind of just dig away into Only Lorcan, uh, which then brought him out and set up a few that pretty much everyone wants to see. Uh, efficient use of time. Good old NXT. Yeah. Fabulous stuff. Uh, we then saw, speaking of trousers, the other, the co-owner of the the traveling pants that uh, <laughs> Only Lorcan and Robert Stone share. It was Robert Stone who was uh, apologizing to Killian Dane backstage saying, uh, I'm sorry I spilled the coffee on you. That that was actually to do with Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, and I, I'm really, really sorry, et cetera, et cetera. And then Aaliyah comes in and says, hey, look at this picture that Dexter Loomis drew that I found. Uh, and it's got uh, it's got Keith Lee on it, and it's got a bunch of other pictures on it, but it's also got uh, Robert Stone getting run over by the tank. Was was Killian Dane even particularly in that picture? Did he? He's he's in it, and like apparently, oh man, I, this it's just the worst bit of the episode for me by a long shot because it doesn't make sense, and it's just a, a ridiculous example of why they you know they they are overcomplicating and don't know what to do with Robert mm -hmm. Stone. 
uh, or a lot of people and just like oh, so many different points like a to b to c to d and it, not, it didn't make any sense so robert stone was apologizing for spilling uh coffee on um uh, killian jane which was an accident obviously because he wasn't looking at the man uh and then uh, yeah leah found a picture which dexter lubis did but it wasn't even like a proper picture it was like a sketchbook he'd done like a load of little and then yeah, Keenan Day didn't like the way he looked in Dexter Lewis's drawing. So he said to Robert Stone, get me a match with Dexter Loomis, who I hate now, to make up for you accidentally spilling mm. coffee. And at, like, why was Aaliyah show, like Aaliyah was showing Robert Stone being just like, look at this painter. It, it was so contrived and just really annoying. Um, just because you know, we just spoke about, you know, NXT being really simple and efficient uh, and like very simple kind of like point A consequences in point B. Whereas this is just uh, a ludicrous load of nonsense to try and get Killian Dane to fight uh, Dexter Loomis, which is a match they could have just announced, yep. you know, because it's fine. It's a wrestling promotion. You could just have matches. Yeah, you could have also just had Killian Dane find a picture of himself that was a bit unflattering and be like, oh, well, I know who did this. And that's the same, it's the same, it's basically the same setup, but you've removed two of the characters who are complicating the story needlessly. <laughs> uh, I just think it's it's so dumb. Like, I, I hated this bit. I, I, just, I really, <laughs> I really, like, the Dexter Loomis drawing pictures thing, I'm not into particularly. Like, I think it's it's difficult to explain what his character is because he doesn't talk beyond yeah. and what his motivations are so i think it's it's quite a novel way of doing it um i don't you know, think they've used it to good I, effect yet uh yeah. and the, yeah and then this the like killian dane being like well i hate the way i look in pictures he so didn't even the, ask if he could draw me like the guy in titanic was at least asking if he could paint people <laughs> like french girls this is this is an outrage <laughs> uh so the reason i think i disliked it as much as i did was because it really reminded me of like desperate, bad booking meetings that we would have occasionally at WCPW. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like, okay, we've got these two indie guys. Uh, they're only available for this show. Um, we've got to have a reason for them to fight. It's like, do, do, and I was like, do we? They're, they're in a, we're a promotion. Can't we just announce a cool match? And they're like, no, because we want to be like WWE and have storylines. So we've got to have a, a reason for these guys. It's like, oh, maybe like they bump into each other backstage and maybe like, oh, he, he accidentally kicks his bag or, oh no, he's accidentally kind of like uh, stumbled into his dressing room. And it's just like, mm. uh, like the desperation to make every match have a story ends up making all the wrestlers involved look petty. And mm. I found that really frustrating, um, you know, talking about WCPW. Um, by the way, I, I talk a lot about WCPW on the upcoming Wrestle Talk Extra video where we look at WCPW Built to Destroy. So if you want to check that out, like a deep dive into my feelings on WCPW, you can find out through our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wrestle Talk. Uh, but yeah, it just reminded me of all the kind of head in my hands moments where it'd be just like, why can't we just <sighs> announce a match? Why do we have to make Killian Dane look this petty like mm. uh, kelly dane it almost came out of it looking the worst because it's like why would yeah. he care about a little scribble he found about dexter loomis maybe he unless wants to... the end the end goal is that they they have the match dexter loomis beats killian dane and then draws the most beautiful moving picture of him 
while he's unconscious in the ring after being locked in the uh, his submission. That maybe that's the end of it. That's like, and then then the, the rest of NXT is is performed in front of a beautiful portrait of Killian Dane hanging in on a, above a fireplace or whatever. Like, I don't I don't know where it goes. I don't know what the point is. It doesn't add anything to the match between the two of them. It doesn't give anyone else extra motivation. It's just going to make it actually. Do you know what? it just makes Maro, Tom, and Beth's life more difficult. Yeah, because they have to try to work out how to get over this. Boom. without sacrificing their <laughs> yeah. own credibility now you swore i know well i did it because i i'm gonna have one if you've had one so that's it like <laughs> i won't be outdone uh with, with this so after this th- that match was made robert stone magically managed to get get in touch with the ipad that is william regal pretty quickly and sort out the Dijak versus cross match for next week it was also announced oh, sorry Dijak versus cross was made for next week as well but dame versus uh loomis is also happening then it was the main event, which was Io Shirai versus Tegan Knox. Um, I enjoyed the start of this, where they sort of forewent the the full introduction. Maybe they were, I think they were running out of time, so they just went for a, a handshake to open. And Io slaps the hand away, um, and the match just starts off pretty slow. Actually, this was this was all kind of the story early on was that it was very technical wrestling, and that is Tegan Knox's forte, and she was trying to keep Io Shirai grounded because once Io Shirai takes to the air. You can't really get her back down. You can't stop her. Um, I thought this was really good. Like a lot of, there was a fair bit that happened in the ad break that I couldn't really pay attention to because a lot of the adverts were about uh, pizza bowls. Um, yes, pizza which bowls and chaperones. Sounds disgusting. Like the it's solution a bowl of melted the, cheese with some bits in it. That's what I mean. It's like this: the solution to the unhealthiness of eating a pizza and taking the bread out of it shouldn't be just pour the liquid cheese into a bowl. Carbs America, are the enemy. America, the, you filthy pigs! Bag. Like, oh, that was absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Um, but but back to the match. The match was great. <laughs> um, I, I thought they were. I thought the two worked really, really well together. It was a little bit like. There was a bit in sort of towards the end where I think fatigue was setting in and everything was a little bit dodgy. But there was, I think the the peak moment for me was when they got outside and uh, Shirai slams Knox into the steps and then goes for the double knees yeah. and Knox moves out of the way. So Shirai just bonks her knees into the steps. And my note just goes, F that. that yeah. <laughs> like how to just, I don't think I'd even have the ability to, to 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 will myself to do that even no. softly as like as softly as I could muster, but to do it with the kind of force that EO throws herself at those steps with is insane. Um, they get back in into the ring after that, and then EO goes for a, a tiger driver backbreaker, but that tweaks her knee. Uh, she ends up hung up in the tw- in the tree of row the uh, t- tree of woe. There's a running uppercut from Tegan, and then uh, a cannonball into EO as she's hanging there. Then we get your favorite move, Adam, the reverse cannonball yeah. uh, and a diving crossbody. EO kicks out, and then she takes a choke slam. Um, I actually wrote in my notes, cannonball into tree of woe. Cannonball is the proper way around. And then I wrote underneath it, ah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Cannonball the wrong way around. And this this sort of builds, and this builds into like, oh, don't decline. Tom's ringing me. Uh, And then we have a really big uh, sort of sprint from EO where she just hits every single move that she knows. Uh, she, She dodges a third European uppercut, hits German suplex into the, 
attempting to hit it into the turnbuckles. Tegan sort of stumbles back. She hits double knees, tiger faint kick, big missile drop kick. But Knox kicks out, hits a face buster suplex, and then flattens her with the molly go round. And I think I've never seen a molly go round look quite this vicious because she really did just take Lands her. On her. Just, yeah. Off you go. Uh, and then she was running for the shiniest wizard, but Io Shirai pops up and hits the Shote oh, palm strike. So good. So cool. So anime. So amazing. And then she hits the Asai Moonsault and picks up the victory. These two worked really well together. I think it was a foregone conclusion that Knox did not have a chance here. Knox was a good competitor because I think this is a very fresh matchup and it, and it really felt like it. I think Io Shirai's had a lot of brilliant matches with a lot of people on the card before she ever became champion. So it was kind of slim pickings as to who could face her here and make it feel like a really fresh defense. Mm. Um, especially if we're doing a replay of Lee versus Dijak as the uh, the men's title picture match for this show. So yeah, I think this, this was a really nice, refreshing match to have at the end to cap things off. And a really, really strong first title defense for Io. She looked like an absolute boss in this match. And that finish was so well put together. That, oh, yeah. that, that sprint from Io's comeback right to the end was so exciting and really, really brilliantly done like not too many near falls like there was a lot of long stretch long sequences of moves and then a pin and then a kick out and then Knox gets hers in and gets a gets a close fall and then that final moment with the Shote and the Asai moonsault was just so good and then as EO is celebrating on the ramp she's blindsided by Dakota Kai who has returned from the 80s to kick her in the face <laughs> um so th that's an interesting setup. I think Dakota Kai is potentially the next big challenger. We we've been saying for a while, like, what are you going to do with Dakota? Because you've got her team with Raquel Gonzalez that is sort of hovering around the middle of the women's division. It felt like it was they were they were a bit of a force, and then sometimes they're not, depending on what they want to do with them. Um, it seemed like they were kind of destined just to get into their feud of their own, because it seemed like you would build out of that that. Gonzalez is the one that always helps Dakota Kai win, but I think this is much better positioning for the two of them to be like, they are a legitimate threat to Io Shirai's championship reign, the pairing of them. So how does she conquer these two? And I think I would still not have Dakota Kai win the championship, but I think it really furthers Io Shirai to manage to work a way around Gonzalez and Kai here. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Kai kind of even stealing the moment from Tegan Knox here has a sort of brilliant little bit to it as well like nice little twist. just another little kicking her while she's down um so the, really good stuff from nxt this week i think um beyond the stuff with robert stone in it was a solid as episode we've got to have one thing to complain about look oh, i yeah. mean that's we're, we're nitpickers like uh, we get a lot of stick in the comments for being for being grumpy old men it's because we love nxt so much that we kind of we lay into the stuff that really is bad <laughs> yeah. well it's because uh, i think also because it's so like it's so good normally that like the things that do stand out to you are the the bits that are fall below a very high bar mm. um so you do end up going talking about those things and i think nxt has been a bit lost recently and this felt like nxt back on track We've got some good build going on. We know where we're going. We know what's happening. I'm really excited on this sprint to take over that will yeah. be on. And I can't wait to see the matches they're going to put together for that because I think they're going to be absolute barnstormers. So yeah. that is all the time we have for talking about NXT this week. Uh, please get the videos that have appeared on screen now to watch more awesome WrestleTalk stuff. There should be a button in the middle of the screen as well that will make you a pledge hammer on Patreon, which gets you a bunch of cool perks, including access to WrestleTalk Extra, where you'll have Adam and Luke talking about WCPW Built to Destroy, which is really cool and really interesting, I think. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, not heard. I've not heard it yet. So that, I think, yeah, if you want to hear Adam sort of despairing about his past, then this is, <laughs> this is, this is one way to do that. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Amorons. I've got a question for you, Laurie Blake. Go on. Say uh, someone breaks into your house, uh-huh. they've got a gun to your head, and say, uh-huh. right, you have one chance to avoid certain death, and you have to beat me a grandmaster at smash up which two races do you combine to guarantee uh, victory and save your skin zombie ghosts zombie ghosts zombie ghosts because it? it's trash it's uh it is it moves so because like the whole go zombies work from the discard pile so every card you play every time that anyone gets your cards off the board you can play them from the discard pile so you can get them back in so the idea like you're slow to start but once you start rolling you are rolling. Ghosts <laughs> give you the ghosts give you the ability to put things into the discard pile, um, ah. and and then can be played from the discard pile too. So like ghost ghost is more about having less things in your hand. A lot of the cards are geared towards taking stuff out of your hand and putting it in the discard pile to be like I only have two cards in my hand. This gives me victory points and you can win. So that is the way I would. That's how I would do it because it, I haven't worked out how to beat that yet. It's. It's a quick. We've banned, uh, we've banned it from a lot of games that we play. Me, me, and my brother, because it's just too powerful. Very quick recap for people who may not know what Smash Up is. It is your. It, I think. I if you if there was like a mastermind uh, like category, I've never I've never seen Laurie Blake more animated than uh, either playing or talking about playing Smash Up. It's so good. I lo- I just love tactics games. I love anything with like where it's about rolling combinations because it makes me feel clever and that's what I enjoy. Even if it's really like, I know the tricks are there to make it, it's very obvious to do that. Like I, I love things like Hearthstone and uh, Smash Up is obviously that sort of trading card game about like the longer the combo, the more interested I am in the game. Even if it doesn't, even if it achieves nothing, I'm I'm just like, if I could play 10 cards in a go, I, I just feel great. So that's <laughs> all I care about. Saving up for that game. one big play. Yeah, I, I think Smash Up is like that's what's so fun about it though as well, because it's it really is unless you've played a lot of it, like you are always playing two decks that you don't know particularly well. So like it is always about finding weird synergies and being like, well, if I do this and then this and then this, at some point it's gonna steamroll me to to winning a base or doing something quite cool. Um, and there are obviously cheap decks to do that with, and zombies and ghosts is a very easy way to get a lot of really crazy combos and 
even if you start off really far behind, you can just win because that's what they do. You can just turn it around in one big go. Uh, play Smash Up. I really recommend it. That's all we have time for talking about wrestling <laughs> and also Smash Up. So uh, you've got more WrestleTalk stuff coming up. You've got the Friday show this week, which is with Luke and Adam Pearson. Um, and you have AEW, which should be out right now. You're also going to have SmackDown on the weekend. And you're going to get bonus because it's the uh, horror show at Extreme Rules this weekend. So there'll be a review of that coming out on Monday too. I am hesitant to say I'm excited for Extreme Rules, but I think I, 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 I am, I am, and I'm sort of hedging my bets and being like, I'm probably not. I'm not sure about like the Swamp Fight is the thing I'm most intrigued by, and I'm, yeah. I'm not totally convinced it's going to be very good, but but maybe uh, it, it sounds a bit too close to House of Horrors for my liking. But we'll see, and we'll talk about it on Monday. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.